Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Constructive criticism. I am Aaron Flam. In this episode, we go trans Scandinavian and talk to Harald Eja, creator, producer, and host of Janevask, whom I spoke to earlier this summer. That's the summer of 2017, according to the Gregorian calendar, for any future historians who might be interested in anecdotes about collective insanity. But first, a not-so-quick recap for you who haven't been able to listen to the previous episodes on this subject because they were in Swedish. Maybe you don't even know who Harald or what Janevask is. Hold on, because if you're not even Scandinavian, this is going to sound unbelievable. I have mentioned before and been criticized for saying that Sweden is the Dr. Mengele of social engineering, I have good reasons for making the comparison, and we'll get even more into that in later episodes, but for now, suffice to say that we in Sweden, since the early 90s, live under what cannot be called anything else than a gender paradigm. Sweden has always been leading in women's rights. Women got the vote in Sweden as early as 1919 and could first exercise it in the election of 1921, whereas men got the full vote in 1922 and ability to exercise it in 1924. Before that, men who wouldn't serve in the army were denied vote, which you can think whatever you want of, but it's definitely not equality of outcome. I don't know how much Shulamit Firestone, professor of history at Stockholm University, Yvonne Hildman, had read when she authored her pamphlet in 1987, but it bears a lot of similarities to the dialectic of sex. Yvonne Hildman's was called The Gender System, Theoretical Reflections on the Social Subordination of Women, and as radical feminist manifestos go, it had everything. The Marxist model of the class system, but with class thrown out and gender put in its place. The denial of female biology at the same time as it acknowledges male biology, but as toxic. 
in short, the same irrationally conspiratorial view of the world as Marx, but with the significant difference that class is a social circumstance. It is something that you can easily change. Biology is harder to change, as if the interplay of the sexes weren't complicated enough already. Yvonne Hildman's theory made it into a government public investigation, an SOU in Swedish, and that in turn made it into policy since nobody objects to anything in Sweden of fear of hurting someone's feelings. And conflict, mostly conflict. And so, in 1990, it got made into official policy. The effect being that the gender perspective, and later on intersectionality, has to be applied within all processes in the Swedish public system, which is to say, pretty much every aspect of society. We have a Swedish Secretariat for Gender Research, which is basically a government-funded propaganda machine for gender research application, which is putting it mildly since we're talking about actually trying to apply these rather crazy theories in practice, usually ending in such disasters as gender-neutral snow removal, where the theory was that more men drive cars and that's why roads were clear before walkways and bicycle paths. which apparently women use more often because of patriarchy and not because they want to have a nice walk or enjoy nature or be more healthy. No one objected to say that actually we clear roads first so that police, fire brigade or ambulances can get through in case of an accident. Hilarity obviously ensued. This week a dog owner in Stockholm put in a motion to have gender-separated dog kennels, not for the owners, for the dogs so that female dogs didn't have to be subjected to the male dog's gaze or some other lunatic rambling about a canine patriarchy. I did a special about these things a long time ago called Groin. It's in Swedish, but there's a version with English subs on my YouTube channel where there will be a link to it as to everything else under the episode on Patreon, where you're also free to make a contribution if you want to. I also have PayPal. My address is aaron.flam at gmail.com. That's Aaron with one A and Flam with one M at gmail.com. Or if you're Swedish, you can swish me at 0768943737. And you can't call me on that number. I don't have it on me. It's just for donations. The reason I published my special about gender on YouTube is because no Swedish channel would take it. I offered it to Swedish state television who said no and then to all others and they said no. And if you go and see it and say, well, that's because it's very meek and not very edgy, Aaron, you have to understand that in Swedish culture that special is seen partly as having an aggressive tone and a subject so taboo you shouldn't even talk about it. I had earlier in my research wanted to make a TV show on SVT about the gender paradigm and madness, and in that research I stumbled upon Harald Eas Janevask, which is Norwegian for brainwashed, which had the same idea that I had, which isn't strange since Norway and Sweden influence each other, Sweden in Norway's direction more than the other way around historically, but lately it's been changing. Mostly, it isn't strange because we had both read Stephen Pinker's The Blank Slate and come to the conclusion that someone should make a series based on the chapter he had written on taboos. When I first found out that Harold had already done it, I became dismayed and a bit envious, partly because of professional jealousy. Harald is a very big comedian in Norway. And also the disappointment over what a hack I was 
mostly maybe because I had plowed so much energy into it already. But when I watched it, I was glad I wasn't first. Because Harald is utterly brilliant, and no one could have done a better job. Not only because Harald is a much nicer person than I am, but also because he himself is a trained sociologist. This is also according to himself why he was granted so much access to the leaders of the gender movement in Norway. In his hands, the show became as comprehensible as it was damning. If you haven't seen it, I suggest you do. Links to it with English subs will also be provided in the description of this episode on Patreon. You don't have to pay anything to see it there. It's still free. But do contribute if you feel like it. Janevask became the most debated show in Norway in 2010. Harald became very hated, and also very loved, and sued for libel by one of the gender studies professors that participated in the show, and acquitted and less than a year later, the Norwegian government, while ensuring that it had nothing to do with Janevask, was cutting funding to gender studies in Norway, claiming the reason being that gender studies had now become so advanced that it should be able to compete for grant money the same way all the other subjects do, which is to doom it to oblivion since gender research won't stand a chance in the real world. And before you start yelling that I'm a sexist pig, just know that it's not my opinion. That's the opinion of Marit Aure, leader of the Society for Gender Research in Norway. Unlike the spokesperson of the Research Council in Norway, she also admitted that Janevask, Harald's show, certainly hadn't helped their cause. Regardless if the show really helped Norway rid itself of this crazy social engineering program, another difference between Norway and Sweden... Harald also had the backing of Norwegian state television. They produced Janevask. A thing like that would never happen in Sweden. I can say that with certainty, as you will understand in a few moments. The reason why Swedish state television so ardently opposed the Swedish version of Janevask is this. There are less than hilarious consequences from the Swedish government's gender equality program. We started applying the gender perspective in schools in the early 90s. Boys have always had a slightly lower average than girls in school, but the kids used to be treated only as individuals. Suddenly, teachers and administrators were supposed to also consider the child's gender and actively attempt to break what is seen as traditional gender norms. We have the second highest grade gap between boys and girls school grades in the world, second only to Finland, who have also adopted our special brand of gender pedagogy in the school system. Girls are pushed to behave in a more boyish manner, and perfectly normal traits in boys are considered toxic. The funny thing is that around 2005, a special investigation to the causes of the widening grade gap was launched, It came to the conclusion that although one could clearly see that the gap started widening at the same time as gender perspective was applied, the only solution could be more gender perspective was needed. The problem was not that gender science, and I use quotation marks around the word science here, wasn't working, it was that there was too little of it. It's like a doctor seeing that the medicine he's prescribed is killing the patient and then upping the dose. 
It also caused our version of the American FEMA, the Agency for Societal Readiness, MSB, that's what it's called in Sweden, to close down an investigation of the Muslim Brotherhood's activities in Sweden and instead devote 10 million crowns to study gender norms in leadership during disaster conditions. Yeah, I know how that sounds, but listen to this. It is probably also the reason why two days ago, the 17th of September 2017, Swedish state television's weekly hour-long news program, Agenda. And no, they're not named ironically. They are named Agenda because that show is supposed to set the weekly agenda. It's just ironic that they also have an agenda, which is always the social democratic agenda or communist or environmentalist. Over 80% of the journalists employed in our state-run media are leftists, much more so than the populace, which votes slightly over 50% for the left. Anyway, agenda devoted one hour and 18 minutes to potential terrorist threats to Sweden. The reason being that more than 2,000 Swedes, most of immigrant descent, have left Sweden to fight for ISIS. And now, as ISIS seems to have lost their caliphate, these lovely individuals are coming home. As Sweden has a standing army of around 10,000 people, 2,000 battle-trained people is actually a threat. They said on agenda that only a few of them, unclear how many, had the capacity to commit acts of terror, but somehow I didn't feel completely reassured. Especially since the military has been forced to spend its time in gender perspective classes, and apparently that's what our feminist foreign policy, which is confusing I know, but neither I or Margot Wallström, that's our deputy prime minister and representative at the Security Council at the UN, who conceived of it, can explain what makes it feminist. To you, to us, to ourselves, to anyone really. It's just unclear. Either way, that's also what we want our army to provide in international military operations. We will teach your soldiers to be gender conscious even if it kills them. Which it probably will since it's pure ideological nonsense. And yeah, maybe I'm too harsh on gender theory and it's promulgators. After all, using gender theory against Islamic terrorists, I'm sorry, violence-affirming extremists, that's what they call terrorists on agenda, or apparently in Sweden now, have never been tried as far as I know. I just wish it was gender studies professors we were sending to Mali instead of soldiers. I'm not saying that they couldn't deliver as good sermons on gender disparity because soldiers are men. It's just that gender studies professors have been preparing for that type of situation their entire lives. And well, you get the picture. It only took Agenda less than 20 years to wake up and do an episode on Islamic terrorism and Funnily enough, they managed to broadcast for almost an hour and a half without mentioning the word Islam. Apart from the absurd fact that every single expert they interviewed had separately, I assume, alone in their chambers, come to the same conclusion that the reason must be, and I quote, every single expert on the show, socioeconomic factors, and that what is needed is more, I quote, welfare, end quote, and I quote, an expansion of the welfare state, end quote. Which sounds crazy since a big part of the problem is that most of these immigrants already have access to welfare. But we have apparently decided to use the same logic that helped us not solve the grade gap. 
If something doesn't work, apply more of the same. What the immigrants want, and most of them are born here in Sweden, is jobs, which they won't get, in part because of the Swedish quasi-socialist model of collective bargaining where negotiators from the unions meet negotiators from the companies and together in a closed room, like ten guys decide what people in a number of fields should be paid, on average. It suits the unions because they get a big cut and it keeps up minimum wages, which in turn keep immigrants out. The employers are happy because they save time and money not having to individually bargain with every employee. And also it makes cash flow predictions, at least of employee costs, wonderfully accurate. And the Swedes are happy because they avoid having to deal with something as sensitive as money, which can lead to conflict, and they hate conflict. And also it keeps envy of your co-workers or neighbors to a minimum since everybody makes roughly the same. But anyway, if they got rid of it, immigrants would probably get jobs. It would probably benefit women's salaries in some fields as well since the unions use male-dominated industrial jobs as a mark, which in turn keeps some female-dominated field salaries down. But no one ever talks about that, and neither shall we, because the Swedish model, as it is called is holy. All parties, left to right, support the welfare state. I only mention it because Harald and I wander into what causes this situation in our conversation, although I had contacted Harald to talk about the acquittal and the cessation of funding to gender studies, Harald wanted to talk about his own current project, which, unlike Jan Vask, runs contrary to my current project. Harald's new project is to promote the Scandinavian model in the world. He's done a TED talk about it, which I will provide a link to below this episode. And although I disagree with Harald on almost every point, I urge you to see it, because it lists perfectly the arguments for the Scandinavian model, which this podcast aims to deconstruct, hence this podcast's name, Deconstructive Criticism which is both a clever wordplay on the common phrase constructive criticism, as well as a reference to the postmodernist theory of Jacques Derrida, which is this podcast mission to use against the same ideology that conceived it. And also because one of the experts on agenda, using quotation marks again, was our brand new national coordinator against terrorism. Sorry, violence-affirming extremism. Yes, you heard me right. That's what we're calling it in Sweden now. Next, we'll start referring to psychopaths as differently emotionally abled people. And she is obviously appointed because of her gender. I'm not saying that because she's a woman. I'm saying that because her previous position was at the Red Cross, which is all well and fine. But that is experience more needed after a terror attack has happened. And she admitted as much. And that whatever we had tried so far had failed, and that she didn't know what she was doing, and that no one out in the country knew what they were doing. Add to that that we have the world's first feminist government, at least according to the government, which is run by a straight, white, middle-aged man. Anyway, the reason I'm telling you all this is because I know Harald as someone who stands up against stupidity, and because after my initial disappointment of finding my idea for a TV program had already been done, and to that by someone so much better than I am, I contacted Harold and asked how much he wanted for the rights to his show. 
so that I could make a Swedish version of it. Harald is such a nice guy, he gave it to me for free. But he added a word of caution. He told me he had already tried to get it made in Sweden, partly because the Norwegian gender studies professors he had publicly shamed had warned their Swedish counterparts about Harald. You see, although the Norwegians had managed to kick out this ideological cancer, the NIC, the Nordic Countries Corporation Board on Gender Equality, for all the Nordic countries, didn't really die. Even though it was situated in Oslo and funded with a lot of Norwegian money, it just receded to its source, Sweden. It now resides at the Secretariat for Gender Research at Gothenburg University. But mostly because SVT, and that's Swedish state television, had already declined the offer when Harald himself made it to them. But he was willing to give me the chance and see if I fared better, which I did not. In fact, I did not fare better several times. Other other channels here in Sweden also got the offer but declined. They declined a given success. A sure thing that people would talk about and rage about. Why, you ask, if Sweden is in such a gigantic mess, do we not address these absurd policies? Because a lot of people in politics, media and government have invested a lot of means, time and prestige in this. A lot of people are depending on this system. Money, as well as reputations, entire careers are at stake. All our government-funded culture, research in the humanities, every agency of government, most big companies. Harald is a brilliant man, funny and smart, and he really believes in the Scandinavian model. He has the best intentions, and that's what he sees in others. The title of his TED Talk is Where in the world is it easiest to get rich? And it focuses on the benefits of the Scandinavian model. Where I see disaster, Harald sees an attempt at goodness. He is the same in Janevask. He doesn't want to bash gender science. He just happily happens to destroy it while asking innocent questions about their fundamental beliefs. I personally think that the gender paradigm is connected to the groupthink inherent in the strange marriage between an already collectivist Swedish culture and socialism. The fact that we now have a former Nazi party, the Swedish Democrats, nowadays they are nationalist conservative, and again, conservative in the Swedish context, meaning that you want to return to an older form of democratic socialism – Anyway, they're on the rise, and I think our gender equality policy has something to do with it. Nowadays, their voters are everybody that's angry, and there's a lot to be angry about, but their core voters used to be angry young white men who felt passed by and ignored by society. Maybe identity politics, both in the form of socialist feminism and race, fuel the fires of white identity politics in Sweden. It's just a suggestion. Anywho... Horal's TED Talk will be linked to under the episode, and it is funny. That is undeniable. The same goes for Jana Vask. Regardless of your political leanings, everybody should see it. And now, without further ado, I present to you Horaldea. We have a lot of problems here, Horald, but I'm guessing uh, Okay. you already yeah. know about that. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to get to uh, because uh, there's a discussion about, uh, you know, uh, Swedish. Uh, we don't have, want to have the Swedish uh, way of life, the Swedish uh, mentality. Uh, that's a discussion going on with the left wingers. They say Sweden is great, and the right wing people tend to say, "Okay, well, 
that's the wrong path to go down where the Swedes have been going. And, yeah. and it goes uh, with a political correctness thing. And it goes uh, uh, the immigration question. There's a lot of issues. Yeah, because you remember when I first contacted you, I was mm -hmm. doing research for my own stand-up and I found The Blank Slate by Steven Pinker. I read it. I thought this could be a good TV show. I did my research. I found that you had already made a TV show called Janevask uh, that went uh, th that was aired on uh, Norwegian state television, right? This was mm -hmm. in uh, 2010. Yeah. 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 And uh, and you're a famous comedian in Norway. Yeah, yeah, I've been working with comedy for I worked 15 years and then I was kind of grew tired. I turned 40 and I was, I'm a trained sociologist. So I've always, I read Steven Pinker's blank slate as well. And I thought this is a great idea for TV series. So, um, I basically, uh, what I did was to make a show with kind of a battle of minds between, you know, the, the ideological, uh, social scientists, uh, gender research, some psychologists, sociologists, uh, versus the more uh, those who are trained in behavioral genetics, biological informed perspectives, all that. And one of the big questions was, uh, is every uh, difference between men and women has something to do with nurture or is it something to do with nature as well? Yeah. And you personally believe that it's a combination of the two, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Which, but the strange thing is that saying that it's both suddenly turned into the, the extreme. Suddenly, you are in, you know, conservative right wing uh, perspective to to think that they can be both nature and nurture. And the middle position, the middle position was saying that it's only nurture. There are no uh, women and men. There are no average, uh, on average, there are no psychological differences between us that we're born with. That's the incorrect uh, point of view. So I wanted to challenge that because I, th I thought that science should be ideological free, shouldn't be, uh, <laughs> shouldn't be, yeah, it should be searching for the truth, not searching for the, the answer you already decided that you agree on. Uh, because as a sociologist, I bet you've read quite a bit of Rousseau. I've not, I'm not, the, not like original Rousseau, but I know Rousseau. Yes. <laughs> there, yeah. Uh, and uh, I mean, the title of Steven Pinker's book refers to a quote by Rousseau, right? Or uh, at least the idea he promoted. Yeah, I guess that's right. Yeah. That we born as a... Uh, with no, there are, there is no basically no human nature, in a way. We just society imprints. If, if there are some genes or some instincts we're born with, culture is like acid that dissolves all that. So yeah, I guess that's right. And in Norway and Sweden, us Scandinavians, we really believe this, don't we? That uh, through when you say we, the common or. Normal people don't believe that, but uh, sociologists and some academics do, yeah. And politicians. Some politicians claim that, but they don't really believe it. In the lunch break, they always talk about, you know, I got a son and then I got a daughter. She's totally different. She's more interested in people and faces and dolls and all that. But my boy, his son is into small cars, mechanics. So in their heart, they don't believe it, but that's the official opinion. All right. Yeah. And... Uh... 
well, but both Norway and Sweden, we really like so social engineering programs, don't we? Yeah, which is a good working hypothesis to think that there are no differences. Uh, maybe we can change societies more than if we just, you know, lean back and think that men and women are different. So in a way, I think that the social constructivists, the, the, those who believe that it's all nurture, in a way, uh, they have succeeded uh, quite a bit having this working hypothesis but that doesn't mean it's true <laughs> no so no. you can i think you can uh one of the uh one of the arguments we had in the or one of the things we tried to prove in the, in the show was that at a certain you you when you society is very gender egalitarian you it comes to a limit where the inborn differences actually means more So uh, when you're free to choose whatever you want to, men and women tend on some areas, not other, all areas, but some areas tend to choose different things. While in countries uh, that are with a strong gender roles, like uh, some Muslim countries, uh, women, for, in for example, they tend to study engineering and computers in, um, because that's the way they can get a job. And that when you just need to get a job, You don't you don't uh, you know you don't listen to what you're really interested in. But but in Scandinavian societies, men and women tend to what what do I like to work with? What what interests me? And then the inborn uh, psychological differences tend to blossom. That's a that like we call so that men the, go into engineering and STEM fields and women go to uh, nursing and teaching. Is working that, with people, basically, yes. Mm. On average, it's there are overlaps, of course, but uh, that's that, and that has uh, has probably nothing to do, or not <laughs> something, but not all to do with nurture. It seems that uh, women tend to be more interested in that. So uh, that was very controversial to say that that we we reached a limit where we actually see human nature in its pure form. It's a very naive uh, thought, but. Uh, That was uh, what we tried to um, to uh, to prove to uh, show uh, the audience. Yeah, and I think you did. You called it the gender paradox, if I if I uh, yeah. remember correctly. Yeah. And um, so Janne Vask went on uh, NRK, which is Norwegian state television. Yeah. And it, it became uh, quite controversial. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Mm, for for many reasons, uh, it was controversial. Um, what I did, I was first I I interviewed these social constructivists and asked them to you know explain why men and women tend to work on different areas. And then I went to the United States and talked to Steven Pinker and a lot of you know biologically informed psychologists and scientists. And then I said. And I looked at the Norwegian sociologists and I said, Wait, what, what are they saying? This is all wrong. I mean, haven't they heard about evolution? And then I went back and showed that again to the first guys I interviewed. And then they said, um, uh, we don't believe this. <laughs> so um, they felt betrayed in a way, because even though I told them that I'm going to show these clips to some other experts, they didn't know that I was, I was going to Cambridge and Harvard and find these top-notch <laughs> people so uh it felt unfair um but they but uh but in science uh, aren't you supposed to be peer-reviewed <laughs> yeah but normally your peers are 
agreeing with you <laughs> when it comes to some of the gender researchers. So, uh, but I feel, even though it was controversial, I, I felt when the debate started that the, the, we kind of, we, we convinced people and it, and it, um, and the debate about gender hasn't been the same since. You have to consider this uh, nature perspective all the time. You have to, before you can ignore that, you can just pretend that there couldn't be any inborn differences between uh, men and women. No, you have to at least take that into consideration. Yeah. And this led, uh, as far as my research can tell, that you were sort of not sued, I wouldn't call it sued, but uh, someone reported the show to uh, the, the your um, press ethics committee? Yeah, yeah, because he, he, he said that, uh, he, of course, you, you edit these shows. You don't show, like, when I interview people, I talk to them for an hour and I edit it down. So he felt he was edited and so he, he was quoted out of context. And this was we, Jorgen Lorenzon, right? Yes, yes. Uh, uh, he, um, and uh, and then I put out, or we put out the whole uh, interview, like two and a half hours, um, so everybody could see it. And then I was, uh, I was, uh, what do you say? I was not uh, committed. <laughs> no, I was not, uh, I was freed. <laughs> I'm uh, a free you, man. you were acquitted. Acquitted. That's yes. Right. Uh, by, by the press ethics committee, who yeah, said yeah, that yeah. Jorgen Lorenzon was in the wrong, basically, and your show had committed no flaws in its reporting and its method. No, that's right. But uh, I, if I'm, I was not aware how angry people got on uh, because people, I, I was on the, you know, on the common man and woman side, so people got so angry. So he, it was, I made his life hell for a couple of months there. So um, it was tough on him. So uh, I, uh, you have to think, I was so, I thought so much about these ideas and the truth and all that. So I kind of forgot the people <laughs> when I made the show. So, uh, but I think he has a good life now. He's not a, re he's not a researcher anymore. He quit. So um, uh, yeah, I, think, I hope he has a happy life now. He's a good man. And, you know, he wants the best thing. He wants men and women to be equal and... Uh, but he's not a scientist, like, no. according to what I... The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Sometimes it can for, be, yeah. For, for the children, for science, for gender equality. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, but the, yeah. But it was fun. Um, so I hope I always wanted you to make that show in Sweden. But that has not been so easy, Adam. I know, uh, because... When I contacted you and said, uh, I want to make a show like yours, but um, since you've already made your show, can I just get the rights or buy the rights? And you were like, you can have the rights uh, yeah. for free. And I was like, yay. Uh, and, you, and then you added, because I already tried to give this to SVT, which is the Swedish te state television. And so would you please tell me uh, about that? At first, we... Uh we wanted to just, we asked SVT to, or the Utbildningsradion, that's uh That's a part of public service, which is our uh, name. Public service is our name for uh, Swedish state television, Swedish state radio, and Utbildningsradion, which is uh, kind of like uh, educational radio, yeah. but it's on TV. So. It's on 
yeah, it's a bit <laughs> radio. Is, it's just radio with pictures. So TV is radio picture. But uh, and then they wouldn't show it, and then uh, f- and they didn't give, give any reason. I like, you can show it for free, and uh, I, I just thought it was fun to put it out in Sweden, where I thought it was even going to be even more controversial. So. Um, uh, okay, they have some reasons. I don't know about those, but then uh, we pitched it. We pitched basically the same concept um, uh, for SVT, and then they thanked no. And when you pitch those shows, you don't get like a long <laughs> explanation of why they don't want it. So I don't know what the discussions were behind closed doors, but I know you did some research, didn't you? Well, I did, and then I tried to get your show made in Swedish yeah. with a female uh, uh, show host, and you know, uh, I tried to make it. <laughs> I tried to get it made for years, Harald. Yeah, I went yeah. to every department on SVT and pitched this show, and they all said no. Most of them uh, didn't want to even respond to my emails. No. Uh, so I continued to dig in this. Um, but but then I turned my attention to Norway again because I, I realized I wasn't going to get this made in Sweden and I did my own stand-up show about it and released it on YouTube for whatever that's worth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have informed people in this podcast and so on and so forth about your show and that they can watch it on YouTube and I hope it has helped the stats some because mm-hmm. I think it's a very important show for people to see. Uh, and then... Um, but it ha- something happened because in 2011, Norway stopped funding uh, NIC, which was like uh, the Nordic, uh, Nordic Countries Institute for Gender Research, right? Yeah. So uh, what happened there? Uh, uh, it's hard to know what was going on behind closed doors again. Uh, whether It was speculated whether my show had had some uh, impact on that decision. I don't know, to be but it was a huge debate in norway in all the papers for six months yeah 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 and it was it was obvious to everybody that a lot of what was going on uh, in the gender research was not very scientific and i got a lot of email from you know other academics saying you know we talked about this for years but we we don't have the courage or we don't have the time to go into all those arguments so thank you so much for doing that shitty job <laughs> uh, because it was time or it was over time that somebody did it so uh, it was obvious that the like the scientific consensus was that this is bad science but okay doesn't cost too much money. Let them do their work. You know, it's always like that in every organization. You have to have some people, idealists, doing something that doesn't really work. But just keep them quiet. So, and then this, I guess it was uh, when all this came into the open, uh, when we did the, this TV show, they felt that they couldn't finance it anymore. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I haven't uh, any inside reports. But uh, what... I was struggling with all the time when when we made the show that this was not an anti-feminist show. It was not a right-wing show. It was all about truth and science and being curious. So when I we were struggling with, you know, emphasizing that this is not an anti-feminist show, we never criticize any feminists. They can, you know, they're doing a legit struggle. We're just criticizing gender researchers. And this is not a right-wing show. We're not anti gender equality in any way. We're not, I, personally, I'm a social democrat, but when I pitched it to the SVT, 
I just realized when I talked to them that in their ears, this is such a right-wing project. This is so, so reactionary, conservative. I'm a man, white male. I just, I just felt it was all so wrong. It was easier for me when I was, I worked in NRK, so I was already on the inside. So I can talk to all the, all the bosses and say, you know, it's going to be so-and-so, we're going to do it this way. It's harder to come from the outside and to, to convince them that, relax, this is not going to be like a Sverige Demokraterna or whatever uh, kind of a show. So uh, I realized that for them, it was, uh, it was impossible that, to make it because it, was, it, it would look so bad. It would look like SVT had gone all into, you know, being Republican, right-wing, old-fashioned, 50s, reactionary, you know, all that. So, um, But you're pro-gender so equality, a, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm even, I'm quite open to, you know, uh, should we, I think it's important to have more female engineers. Likewise, I think it's important to have more male psychologists, with, which there are hardly any young uh, men going into psychology anymore. So I've, I'm, I'm pro the Scandinavian project, totally. It's just, I think it, but with the wrong method, you won't get the result you want. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's even more important. If you, uh, you want to make a gender, uh, gender egalitarian society, you have to know what gender is yes. i think it's you can't base that on a lie you can go you can come quite a bit uh, to have this working hypothesis that's not really true but it's um in general you have to know how human nature works how society works to, to fix things yeah but uh, so in norway because when you look it up, the Research Council of Norway said that they aren't cancelling uh, uh, funds to gender research. They just think that gender research is now so good and, and can stand on, it, on, it, on its own legs. So oh, they, okay. they, they, they thought it can compete in different fields with its own research in peer review. That's what the Norwegian Research Council said. And I don't know what, no. what a lot of money or a little money is for you uh, oil-rich uh, Norwegians. But according to my research, uh, the NIC, uh, the gender research, the Nordic gender research uh, center that was based in Oslo, Norway, uh, mm -hmm. costs 65 million euros a year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh... yeah, that's 650 <laughs> million crowns a year. Yeah. That's quite a <laughs> yeah. lot of money to shut yeah. some people up. Yeah, but it's it's work, you know. It's to get people. It's better to have them there than to go on unemployment. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm I'm a bit disappointed that they. I was I'm I'm always a bit naive when it comes to science and the truth, and I'm a I'm a basically an idealist. So I hope that the gender researchers would say, you know, we've been wrong in all these years. We're gonna turn this around. We're gonna read biology for evolutionary psychology for a couple of years now, and we're gonna make the best gender research in the world. Yes. We're gonna revolutionize this whole field. But of course, they what happened? They even they even built higher walls. So, uh, um, but I don't know. Again, I don't want to speculate um, because, in a way, uh, and this is something I want because I'm listening to your podcast. It's very interesting and informative uh, work. Uh, I'm afraid of get turning into this aggressive, you know, 
man who hates gender research, I want to be a bit relaxed about it. So uh, I try not to, you know, to, to uh, I kind of felt that we won that battle when we made that show, but I'm not triumphant. I listen, okay, life goes on. Let's try to make it, a, like, make better science, like, make a better society, all that. So I don't, that's why I'm not so willing to speculate and be, you know, to celebrate that they didn't, didn't, get, didn't get any money. Because... I understand completely. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you should know that I don't think you're at a high risk of uh, becoming more aggressive. I think I was pretty much born this way. Okay. Uh, so, and, and it's not only uh, towards gender science. I'm, in general, a very uh, conflict-seeking person. So I see. Okay, this is interesting. So I'm co- conflict avoidant. So uh, this is uh, took a big five personality test. So yeah. So because uh, do you um, do you do you you drawn to conflict? You like you like the <laughs> the debate, but uh, don't you get? I, I mean, don't you get mad? You get insane when you see all this madness, this all this irrationality, this uh, ideological madness going on yes it's not good for your soul i don't to to go into these struggles you'd have to prove that i have a soul first my dear harald uh but uh no but underneath this calm very pleasant exterior runs rivers of narcissistic rage and i can pretty much uh direct this rage in any direction i choose and but when it comes to irrationalities uh or uh in Sweden's case, because as you said, when you come to SVT, you can't say this, this is right. I think it's more than that. I think it's almost a religion in Sweden. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so what you're doing basically is you're trying to rationally explain to a participant in a sect why they are mistaken, which yeah. I think is impossible in most cases. It is. Absolutely. Yes. You have to talk. Yeah. I agree. Uh, and you know, I, John. Yeah. Uh, and I try to control my rage so I don't lose my temper every day. But, you know, it is a creative uh, source of fuel for me. Yeah, okay. So you, you kind of, uh, yeah, the <laughs> you, 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 you nurture your, your rage, I see. But because uh, if you want to convince people, I, I totally agree with, you know, the social psychologist Jonathan Haidt. I don't know if you're familiar with his work. Yes. He has his, it, it, it talks about humans. They are like a bit of a, they're like uh, an elephant within a, guy sitting on top so the elephant is the feelings intuition and all that and the guy on top that's reason that's arguments all that and the guy on top he pretends that he's controlling the elephant but he doesn't he's just like sitting there and he says okay we went over the hair to the water here that's why the reason why we did it so if you talk to the guy on top of the elephant you 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 can't influence where the elephant is going you have to talk to the elephant and then which means you have to talk to people's feelings, their fears, their intuitions. And we, when it comes to, you know, let's say uh, feminist gender researchers, they have a fear. And that fear is that some people want to go back to the old way of doing things. Some people want to say, we can't do anything about how men and women are. You know, men are uh, horny. Men like sex. There's nothing to discuss. Men care about looks more than women do. It's nothing we can do. That's their fear. And if you talk to that fear, if you talk to those feelings, then you can convince them that, hey, look, there can be some evolutionary psychology. Maybe they are right on some points. Biology can be right. 
that's the way I would like to work if I want to convince people. But maybe that's not your project to, to change, make people change their minds. I don't know. Uh, well, I would like to. But I mean, the, the tagline for this podcast is your feelings are hurting my thoughts. So it would be <laughs> okay. sort of contrary to what I want people to start doing, which is thinking. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, okay, I see. But, but yeah, <laughs> I, I have would... you had any guests on your show that you disagree with? Not yet, but I have one booked for Wednesday. Oh, really? Yes, yeah, I... because that's going to be interesting, and that's uh, I'm looking forward to to listen to that. How you, how you, <laughs> what your tactics are going to be? Are you going to be confrontational, or are you going to listen to their fears and worries, and you know? I think I might listen to them. I think that's respectful. But we have also decided on like three particular subjects to discuss. So it is. Uh, more uh, an informal debate than a formal chat, I guess. Okay. Yeah. And uh, who is it, person? Who is this? Uh, Erik Rosian from Politism. Okay. Yes. And he's like uh, your opposite. He's like a left-wing, uh, political correct kind of a guy, or yes, he is the editor of Politism, which is basically a propaganda newspaper within big quotation marks financed by the unions and uh, the workers movement. So, um, okay. So there, there will probably be some conflict, um, going on there, but uh, because what, do you know what happened to Nick, uh, the Nordic research center on gender in Oslo when they closed its funding? No, you know what happened? Yes. What happened? It moved to, the National Secretariat for Gender Studies in Gothenburg, Sweden. Oh, so we just exported the problem, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, yes. In so much it comes from you originally, I'm not so sure. I think okay. Sweden might be uh, like the ground zero for a lot of these things. So it moved yeah. back and now it's at Gothenburg University. Uh, you know, I read about that. Yes, yes. So that's a stronghold of that perspective, yeah. Okay, so uh, yeah, it would be... Um, but I'm, I kind of, I kind of, I don't know about you, but I kind of like these people because they, 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 um, they are good people, you know. But they, <laughs> they have. Uh, I, I, I always, when I'm at a party, I like to talk to those guys, those people more than you know the some biologist or you know evolution psychologist person because I think they have, they are. I'm I'm curious about how they think, their worldview, uh, their enemies, their friends, and all that. So um, I want to go to Gothenburg and, and, and talk to these people. It's so so would I, and I don't think I will air this show until I've gone through how much money they spend from the Swedish government. So far, <laughs> I think it's 1.5 billion per year. Really? Is it? Yes. <laughs> so uh, and also. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's quite a lot. But uh, because the Research Council in Norway, they said they weren't cancelling out the funds for gender research. Uh, but the gender researchers, Marit Aure, yeah. she said in, in Aftenposten that if the Research Council doesn't have its own program for gender studies in Norway, uh, and they have to like compete against other, I would call them real scientists, uh, in other fields, then uh, their field would wither away. So, w- what's the situation like now for the gender researchers in Norway? You know, I haven't checked. Um, it's it's uh, it's a part of the. Uh, I just I've kind of moved on after I did that show. I've, I've I'm, I was after a while I was tired about arguing about. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. You know... Research on newborn babies about uh, cross-cultural patterns when it comes to genders, uh, why there are only men in the military in every society. I I was just tired of all that. I'm, you know, it's like discussing evolution with a creationist. You know, you you grow tired because it doesn't, you don't get anywhere. So that's when, why, so I I don't know what's going. I see some work going on here and there and there. And um, I got a mail a couple of weeks ago that this frustrated student that study uh, kindergarten studies, I don't know what it is called, but uh, she, she said there is no biological perspectives going on. It's all about, you know, girls, they tend to be more interested in people because we expect them to be more interested in all that self, you know, that circle of explanation that really doesn't hold up. So... Uh, I should go into it again and, you know, t- 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 try to um, influence the way the perspectives that are taught on you know, the, the schools and nurseries and teachers schools and all that. But I kind of moved on because I'm a restless guy. I can't devote my life to these endless struggles. So uh, but it's important. Yes. So I don't I don't know what's going on in gender research right now. I haven't heard anything. <laughs> Because you say they're good people, but my view is if you spend state money on something you know is false, I don't believe that most of them know it's false, but uh, let's say they did know it's false, then that would be quite serious, right? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. So it's a serious thing to to spend people's money on things that's basically meaningless. So uh, Because we all say we want a gender equal society. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. in that case, we would, as you said earlier, we would want the best methods to make it happen if we're into social engineering, which yeah. as a liberal, I'm really not. But no. uh, you obviously are because you're a social democrat. You would want yeah. the best. And yeah. you, you say they're good at heart, but I think that good, good is not something that you are. It's something that you do. It's something that yeah. has an effect in the world. So I agree. 
if you have a so it's, we have something I don't know if we have that in Sweden we have something called state feminism which is a different thing than the the, the gender research thing this is more a practical way of working for example in the, uh, the in the parliament they had these long meetings lasting for you know all night discussing you know should we build a bridge there or should we build a university over there and the women in the parliament say hey, we have kids to to attend we have a family we can't sit up all night discussing so if we if you want us women to participate in the modern democracy we can't have these night meetings and then they end because men you know we can sit up all night debating we don't care we don't we like that with women on average don't want it they have a life yes <laughs> they they have their priorities straight yeah exactly yeah. so <laughs> yes. they change that you know which i as a i read uh a lot of studies showing that that men tend they tend to be more uh, ones they have one interest that they devote their life to. Females tend on average and it's on the whole planet they have more va- more va- variation in the interest. So that's a practical way of approaching it. Okay, men and women we need both of them in parliament, but they're a bit different psychologically. So we have to uh, make arrangements that suits the natures. So that's a good way of working. So that's why I'm optimistic because I find that state feminism, that way of thinking, is more efficient. But you don't need research to back that. It's it's just common sense in a way. Yeah, but so, also you had to uh, you have to admit that there is a different nature between the sexes. Yeah, which everybody knows. Everybody knows that. <laughs> yes. Everybody. I mean, even the even in Gothenburg in the lunchtime. They know that. Of course they know. <laughs> but when I go back to the desks, they pretend that it's not true anymore. You know, I think uh, an interesting aside, the point, uh, I think the idea that good is something you are or mm-hmm. evil inherently, and I think that's not true for most people. I think we have both good and evil within us, and then we have yeah. to make a choice, a rational, yeah. hopefully, choice. Yeah. Um, uh, and I think that's... Uh, Inherently a Christian idea, I think. Yeah, that, maybe, maybe, because, maybe it is. Do you think about Protestantism? That is that the. Uh, I, th- I think so. I th- I think uh, there is something because I notice it also, and you'll have to excuse me for this, but I notice it in Swedish social democracy. I think that that there is this idea that good is something you are, and you don't have to actually do something to be no. good. You just have to have the right values. But don't you think in every society there are some core values that everybody has to attend to, that agree on? Oh, yeah, yeah. This is important. This is not important. Uh, we are not consequentialists. Uh, you know, that's not how we work psychologically. So I think it's a, it's a trait that's, I think that's very common that, you know, you, you have these values that this is what we define as this is Sweden, Swedish values and these Norwegian values and, uh, which is, you know, annoying. You should judge people on what they do, not the, what they think and feel. But it's hard to get around that. Uh, it is. Because when it, and maybe it's a practical reason for it. I mean, deep down, we know that it matters what you feel and think because you're going to act on those feelings and uh, on those thoughts at yeah. some time. I don't know. So, but uh, what, what is your, I'm, I'm curious about, because we, uh, we were exchanging some mails before this uh, podcast. 
And then uh, I realized that you're very, you're skeptical to the whole social engineering thing, the whole social democracy project, while I am a big fan of Scandinavia and the Nordic uh, model. Because, um, not because, of course, because I live there and I'm, I love this part of the world and, you know, all that, but also because according to all objective ways of measuring human well-being, Scandinavian countries are on top. So how can you say that this is not the best societies in the world? We're the happiest people. We're richest. You know, we more. Uh, we trust each other more. Well-functioning government, no corruption. This is going so well, Adam. Yeah, I know. But maybe I think that it's going so well in spite of social democracy and not because of it. I think that okay. social democracy has taken credit for a lot of things that it shouldn't really have been taking credit for. For example? Uh, well, I think the only thing the Swedish uh, social democrats can really claim is eliminating poverty. Yeah, okay. And it's equality, the level of equality. We're on top uh, when it comes to equality uh, in, in the developed countries, that is. Yes. So, so uh, they... And that equality but, but project I think, that led to a lot of trust. And, you know, it's a good circle going on in these societies, which the social democrats can take quite uh, the honor for that, don't you think? I think they can take uh, uh, the credit for the reallocation of resources. But I think <laughs> that the resources that were amassed was amassed in spite of social democracy. How can you say that when it happened both in Sweden, Denmark and Norway? Can be at the coincidence that... All these societies are social dem dem democracies. And this, we see the same thing in New Zealand and Canada that basically have the same, some of the same welfare system and uh, free education and all that. So uh, isn't it a pattern here that it sounds to me a bit unscientific, which I know you don't want to be, <laughs> to say that it's in spite of. So... Well, a social democracy basically is socialist ideals uh, applied to a capitalist market, right? Yeah, it's a uh, that's right. We have a capitalist, cap well well functioning capitalism because it's we have together with the welfare state, so we're working in tandem. That's uh, what I think is unique with our system. We we uh, free markets. It's going to be a bad playing field and too much state govern governance. It's without the markets, that's going to work. So this is working together in a unique way. That's the uh, uh, great Scandinavian uh, concept, I think. Maybe you're right. Uh, I always enjoy coming to Norway, and I think uh, I feel <laughs> that it's an intellectually freer country in most respects compared to Sweden. I think the social cost uh, of these programs and what it takes to get this working, which is uh, strong unity, conformism, Basically, yeah. anti-intellectualism. Uh, it, it I, I think, it erodes with each generation. It erodes a bit more. I think the first okay. generation of social uh, democracies, um, at least in Sweden, uh, looked like this. Uh, everyone knew they weren't supposed to take advantage of the welfare state because it was uh, associated with great shame to be mm -hmm. the beneficiary of subsidies, right? Yeah. The second generation completely forgot about this and took them for granted. Now, the third generation uh, not only take them for, for granted, but, think, but also think that they don't have enough rights, subsidies, welfare. Uh, so what it does is basically um, 
you spare the rod and spoil the child, as the English would say. Yeah, okay, now, I see. Uh, the, the simile I usually use, or metaphor, because um, I get the two confused, is if you saw uh, parents who had one child and they were feeding this child whatever it wanted, whenever it wanted, get, giving it whatever it wanted, whenever it wanted it, just so it would stop screaming, you would say mm-hmm. it's close to sh- child abuse, right? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, furthermore, even if it's not child abuse, they're raising a f- brat, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they're raising a bad person. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so but what, when you're eating, yeah, sorry. So, so what I what I see, and I I see it among other things. I think in gender, where we, for instance, in Sweden, have had gender sensitive or gender equal education, as they call it, in school for thirty years now. We have the biggest gender gap, uh, grade gap between boys and girls, the second biggest in the world. Yeah. 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 And and Finland is number one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've seen that. Which means that Very interesting. It, it is quite interesting, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes. Uh, and when I go into all these uh, uh, departments uh, of government uh, who are responsible for educating our children in school, basically they say we uh, allocate this much resources to gender equal education. And when it comes to boys, it just says it's very important that boys and men are in on the education uh, so that they can learn that uh, certain manly traits are really, really bad. So, <laughs> Did it say that? Yes. Right yeah. Okay. <laughs> so uh, it's the idea of toxic masculinity, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 So they want to suppress something uh, which is, in our view, biology, uh, while at the same time completely renouncing that biology exists yeah yeah, uh, yeah. and i okay. think this is harmful to young men yeah. but i also think it's harmful to young women yeah and w- when you have these big social engineering programs and we have a lot of them uh, sooner or later you're going to have to evaluate them right yeah uh, but that's not really what happened in norway you made a tv show and then completely unrelated within a year all funding was cut to gender research. <laughs> yeah. To the dismay of gender researchers in Norway, I might add. Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's something to do with just to a f- quick footnote there, because in this, as a, we, Norwegians love to talk about the difference between Sweden and Norway, but it's a, it's a narcissistic the differences are so small, but we're, you know, we're so fascinated with it. But one difference is that, uh, the people have more, um, uh, uh, it's more legitimate to listen to the meaning of the common man in Norway. The people have more to say, so we're less elitistic. So uh, in, in, in Sweden, you have Stockholm, you know, with the highly educated people there, the, the elites there, the liberal elites deciding everywhere. It's not like that in Norway. The, the, the rural areas, they have a lot of influence, like the, and the working class uh, voices, they, people listen to them. So when the politicians and the decision makers, they have the feeling that, you know, the, uh, the opinions are, in, are changing here. People hate the gender research. We have to stop the funding or else we'll, people will start to question the whole funding of science, which is quite questionable when you start to look into it. Huh? So uh, I think it's something to do with that, actually, that it's a more populist country. So, uh, and uh, 
Um, but can can we move into? I'm, I'm curious about what your what are your opinions when it come come to in, immigration because that's a big question here when we discuss the Swedish uh, way, way of solving things. Uh, because for many years uh, we had the feeling that it was impossible to talk about the bad effects of immigration <laughs> in Sweden. Yeah. Yes. It was. Well, but the and. When I went to Sweden, I obviously saw that something was going on. You know, parts of uh, uh, Malmö that were uh, it was. I, I saw the society was degrading because there were so many poor people and uh, unemployed, and with too many uh, immigrants at the same place, they weren't integrated in Swedish society at all. And at the same time, you had this old Nazi party coming back, which uh, as a comedian, I tried to, I was in working for SVT, I wanted to make a sketch about neo-Nazism in Sweden. And I said, no, no, that will give them attention. So don't do that. Um, what, what are you talking about? They're marching in the streets. Yes. We're seeing it on news every, every, every day in Norway. We, it's, it's a big problem here. I mean, we, we, we have struggled with Nazism before. This is something we have to take head on. No, no, no. We have to pretend it's not there. So it was... For us, it was a mess. <laughs> we know with the right-wing resistance, at the same time, we had all these problems with immigrants. So what, what is your... Uh, but These couple of years now, my impression is that the debate is more out in the open now. It's okay to talk about it. Or how is it? Yeah. The, since... Uh, I, I would say since a year. Since we closed the borders and then it went on for a bit more. You couldn't talk about it really... And then a yeah. year passed and we had uh, terror on Drottninggatan in Stockholm. You know, this yeah. guy drove a truck over um, one of our uh, shopping streets. Uh, and um, and now something has shifted. Some papers are more open about it. Uh, the workers' movement, though, the left, uh, left wing, I suppose, which is kind of weird because I considered everyone in this country to be left wing, even on the right <laughs> side of the politi political okay. spectrum. Um, so they've started talking about it a bit more. Uh, but I think personally, the fact that they've swept all these problems under the rug for so long has exploded. And I, I personally think that in the next year's election, uh, the Swedish Democrats, as you call the Nazi party, um, they're really against being called the Nazi party. I, for know, some I reason. Just were, I'm, I'm actually talking about how they were, they were, yeah. They call themselves socialist conservative nowadays. I know. So today's party is not a Nazi party. But when I first heard about uh, the resistance to immigrants and all that, it was, uh, yeah. Ah, yeah. Yeah. So, and I think uh, they're probably going to be the biggest party or something because I think they're yeah. going to get 30% of the vote. And, and I saw my, one of my big, my heroes uh, 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 is uh, the historian, Swedish historian Lars Tregord. Yeah. And uh, and also Bo Rothstein, the the um, political scientist. Yep. Uh, no one knows about them in Sweden. Really? Well, Lars Tegord has been allowed to come on TV a bit in the last like year and a half. Uh, Bo Rothstein writes uh, like assiduous uh, commentary against, for instance, intersectionality or gender studies yeah. every once in a while in Gothenburg in, in one of the Gothenburg dailies. Um, but I think uh, they don't have a lot of impact. Uh, I mean, you've probably read Lars Trägård's uh, uh, Is the Swede a Human? Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, he and, comes and to the conclusion that Swedes are human, even though he's a Swede himself, so he's sort of biased on the issue. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because th their point is that um, a nation state is, uh, is, um, is a 
selfish uh, uh, project. It, it's a it's solidarity. It's a confined solidarity. We care more about the woman, uh, this sixty-year-old woman living in Malmo, than we care about a family from Syria. Yes, that's the basically the nation-state idea. This is we have some borders. This is us. That's them. It's a it, it's an ugly idea for those who you know been traveling around, had this idea about the United Nations that we, that like John Lennon sings, uh, imagine a country with no no countries and no borders, all that. But uh, it seems that human nature again <laughs> has placed us. Uh, it, it's our psychology. We tend to think of the. We are uh, we are a group. We care about. I help you, and you help me, and we pay our taxes, and it's a closed system. So it seems that a country kind of dissolves. That the glue of a society dissolves if we get the feeling that the uh, that there are free riders coming in that don't look like us, that speak the same language, that don't have the same values. It's a it's um. We have to realize that we are more uh, selfish on a group level than we ideally should be. So I think that's, uh, for me, it's, it's a tough, it's a cynical truth, but it's, I think they are right. Uh, well, I, I think, sure, it can lead to ugliness, absolutely. But I don't think inherently that solidarity with next of kin is unsolidaric. You wouldn't want it any other way. I mean, if I told you that that same feeling that makes you believe you're part of a nation mm -hmm. is actually a transferred feeling that, I mean, you prioritize certain people in your life, right? You prioritize your partner, you prioritize your children over other people. Yeah, like a pseudo family, huh? Nation is like a pseudo family. Yes, right? yes. Yeah. So, but that emotion, that tribalism that you feel for your daughters and your, your newborn son, mm -hmm. uh, would you say that it you would be a better parent if you didn't prioritize your children before children in Africa? No, of course. That... <laughs> so that is an emotion that we need as humans to raise our offspring, to uh, maintain loyal to our family and friends. It is, I think, uh, deep down, not even a good or bad emotion or trait. It's just a trait that we need biologically mm -hmm. to survive. And yeah. if you imagine a, a world like John Lennon did, where we didn't have this, mm -hmm. then you would let your wife have the, ch uh, your new wife have the new child and you would just, okay, goodbye. Bye. I'm going <laughs> yeah. off. Uh, but, but again, it's interesting because, uh, these instincts, uh, they, uh, they follow certain rules. So when you have like, the second generation of immigrants like in Norway from Pakistan, they're paying the taxes, taking education, and they, you know, they integrated and even assimilated. They are more secular than their parents. They they are more gender egalitarian. Then, yeah, you're part of us now. Yep. So integration works. You know, if it's, you uh, that's interesting, I think. So uh, it's, it's hope. It's hope. But this, uh, I don't know if, is there this idea of that you have to keep on their own, uh, having their own way of life and keep their way, their own values and all that? I think that's, I agree on Trigger and Rothstein that that can be dangerous for society. Yes, depending on what values and traditions they have. Yeah, of course. Uh, and yes. then you have to be able to talk about how 
different people have different values and traditions, yeah. which in Sweden we do not. Oh, okay. Uh, we, uh, this is... <laughs> We, we don't differentiate between people. So Swedes are Swedes and immigrants are just immigrants. It doesn't matter if they come from, from, from Syria or Germany or the United States or Japan. Uh, they're just immigrants. Uh, yeah. uh, and what happens when you take in so many at the same time, there's no way they can become assimilated or integrated, whatever you want to call it. Because uh, what happens is they would, they don't speak the language and there's no, uh, demand that they should learn the language from the Swedish uh, government. So they move in with, you know, other people from the same mm. parts of the world and they keep their traditions and they keep their language uh, and they don't get integrated into society. That's one end of the problem. But then I would say, actually, because we have something called Collective Avtal. Yeah, which I love. Uh, of course you do. Uh, you socialist scum. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, in Sweden, we have something called laws in collective Avtal, and this is just one part of it, really. But they are discriminatory in themselves. These, okay. Because, uh, for instance, in Sweden, you can't fire someone. Uh, if, if, you're, if you have to do layoffs, you have okay. to let go of the new employees before you let go of the old employees. Yeah, yeah. So, hmm. Which is basically age discrimination. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter much, I think, uh, if the youths are ethnical Swedes, because uh, then we will just have a social engineering program that opens up every university in Sweden so that we keep them occupied for another four to six years until their parents have retired and then we can give them the jobs, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. But what if you have a large immigrant population who doesn't go to university and then yeah. don't get into the labor market or are so unexperienced that they will never get a job. And if they get a job, they get laid off first. Yeah, that's a problem. I, uh, that's one of the reasons that the unions in Norway are, are quite skeptical to immigration because it kind of um, dis disturbs and destroys the whole the system we made. That it's uh, not that we uh, the, the minimal wages are quite high. So uh, let's say I get this guy guy from Somalia, I have a company and the guy from Somalia knocks on my door and say, oh, can I work here? And yeah, what can you do? Yeah, I'm, I'm a strong guy. I can, you know, I can drive a car. I can. And then I have to pay him like basically almost half a million crones or I don't know, 80,000 euros or something, which is very expensive. Why in the United States, I could hire this guy because it's, I could pay him very little. So uh, we have this system that makes it hard for immigrants to get into the workforce, which gets it makes it even harder to get uh, integrated. So we kind of made it difficult for immigrants. It uh, wasn't a, it wasn't the intention of social democracy. I mean, social democracy no. in Sweden was started in a, a, an exceptionally homogenous country. Yeah, uh, exactly. Swedes were and and the Swedish ideal is that everyone should feel the same, be the same, think the same talk the same, just, you know, a gray mass of people who just uh, just trudge on until death, uh, hopefully, you know, being forgotten by the rest of the gray mass. I mean, this is the Swedish dream, basically. But I want to follow up on that, but I just want to, I just want to finish the, the, the train of thought here, because uh, I want you to ask this union guy, because the union should be skeptical to uh, um, a 
people getting into the country who are willing to work for a low uh, salary. Yep, and they are. They are, okay. Well, well so, so this is the so, case. So we had a big tr trial in Sweden a few years back called Lex Laval, uh, which was basically um, some builder hired an Estonian um, building uh, company to uh, finish a project in Sweden. And we had a Swedish uh, builders union demonstrating outside the site, uh, screaming, uh, go home, basically. That's yeah. uh, what they were uh, chanting which made it on the news, of course, and uh, made the, the union look uh, very racist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and then we did what we usually do when we encounter a problem of any size, really, but this is a problem too huge to solve because we would have to change the entire Swedish or Scandinavian model in order to solve this problem. So what we did was we ignored it. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah, okay. Yes, the old well-proven solution, huh? Yes. So, and so the, but, but that's why I'm curious about the the, the guest you're gonna have uh, next time. I wanna I wanted to press him hard on that because there's a conflict of interest between the, the Swedish working class and immigration. Yes, at least some something some some. But then back to the gray mass. I don't agree with you on that, Aaron, because uh, again, Lars Tregord, my one of my heroes. He has this concept of state individualism. It turns out that in our system, where the state kind of guarantees our, our well-being from we born to we die, turns out that this makes us freer <laughs> and more individualistic than uh, any other people in the world. Have you, if you see, like in United States, children are or parents are helicopter parenting. You know, they are following up. They are visiting them on campus when they go to college they moms and daughters texting each other each day they are so dependent on the family while the scandinavian kids when they're 18 it's out my daughter is 19 now i said you have to move out i don't have any money you have to get yourself a job i can't give you any money you're grown up now so this makes us more uh freer more independent it's not that great the gray mass uh picture you you, you paint i think it's wrong when yeah you see i, I know yeah. I know that you think it's wrong, but <laughs> personally, I think that's basically what you just told me is dogma. Uh, and I don't agree with Lars Tregord on this. I think that if you agree with this concept, you don't really understand what freedom means. Freedom, freedom means to, to, to fulfill your dreams, to do what you want to do. No, free, freedom means having to take responsibility for your choices and actions in life. And... <laughs> You, is that freedom? Is I would that freedom? say I feel like if I feel free, okay, it's because I can take responsibility for my actions. You know, if I let's say I uh, tomorrow decide to um, to be an artist, I can't paint. I'm not very uh, aesthetically gifted, so I do, no, I want to be an artist. So uh, I start to go to art school, and I'm obviously not very talented. I'm 56 years old when I'm finished. I start to paint. I can't earn any money, and okay. But my, I, I changed my mind. I was stupid, but I didn't, didn't destroy my life. I'm, but I'm very free nonetheless, even though I didn't have to pay a huge price for my stupid choice. Well, I, I would put it like this. State individualism is like a welfare state. Uh, individualism means taking personal responsibility. If you uh, refer that responsibility to the state, then you're not truly free. 
first of all this is this is for this is this is just the first step my friend okay, okay, and yeah. and just with as with the uh, welfare state when when they treat you like this you get spoiled in theory you do get spoiled and then, but and, and you then you don't take spoiled, well i would we? i would say i would say that i don't know about your country but sweden is a prime ex- example of uh no one having to take personal responsibility for their actions, which means that we can have wrongful social engineering programs running for 30 years. Everyone sees that they're wrong. Everyone knows that they're wrong. But to say that they're wrong would be to go against, you know, uh, peer pressure. I agree that you have these stupid social engineering programs going on. But at the same time, you got like your uh, economically Sweden is, is it's blossoming it's going very well and you have a in popular culture you have a lot of talented people there's a lot of uh, entrepreneurship going on so there's a different story going on if you focus on that stupid political correct sad part of your society i kind of agree i mean it's it's he- i get a headache just but at the same time there's a vital uh, energy going on, the creation going and the creativity in But Swedish I'm not a fucking life. life coach, Harald. I don't do <laughs> I don't do pep. I do problems. <laughs> I see, I see. Okay. <laughs> so okay. what I focus on is problems and of course yeah, yeah. that paints a dark view of reality, but what you have is I mean Norway have has oil. You don't have uh, the immigration the immigration policy that Sweden has had for a long, long time. Now when it comes to the unions and immigrations, we have 25% of young immigrant males, second generation, that means born in this country, they're unemployed, they're outside of the labor market, 25%. The same yeah. figure for Swedes is 4%. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that is, a, that is a society mm-hmm. uh, built along ethnic lines. Yeah. 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 Basically the opposite of what they wanted to achieve. Yeah. Now, when it comes to gender... Mm-hmm. Same thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. They, they they promote equality, but what happens when you apply the policy based on the wrongful theory is sexism. Mm-hmm. Hmm? Yeah. There's no difference between men and women, but women are better and men should stay silent. That's basically the idea. Yeah. 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 But, but but again, I mean, is it is it really hard to be a man in Sweden? I mean, I'm, for me personally, this is a dream society. I can pick so many, I mean, so many great women there and so many opportunities. And it's, is it, are you, are you honest when you portray that life as a male in Scandinavia is tough? I mean, no, no. since I'm the only man in Scandinavia, I have it quite (laughs) good. Uh, But I'm feeling sorry for, you know, the gender neutral creatures that roam along our streets looking like they've lived on nothing but tofu for last yeah, 30 yeah, years yeah. of their life. So yeah. I like this guy on, uh, on so that I was, we, we used that in the show. He, tr- he tried, he wanted to breastfeed his baby. So he bought this pump. Yeah. But he didn't know that he doesn't have this hormone that you have to have yes. to produce milk. It's not just like stimulating your nipple and then magically milk starts to flow. And so, so I agree with this, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Well, and did you ask the baby how it felt? Oh, yeah, it's disgusting <laughs> too. But uh, but uh, it, for me, to, it's uh, I think it's interesting what, what you said about education because it one of the reasons I haven't been so worried about men doing it, not uh, men falling behind in education, is that 
the moment men uh, finish school, they succeed. Yes, you know. they so, do. Uh, out- n- normally, uh, but I would say I, I think that could be changing in Sweden, at least in certain sectors. Uh, okay. uh, for instance, uh, politics, uh, bureaucracy, basically state-governed things. Uh, and this is a country that has a lot of state-governed things. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, they say that most professors in Sweden are uh, men still. Yes, yeah, yeah, they are yeah. because they're older and they came from that time. Yeah. But, but now we have over 60% or something of women doing PhDs. So within a few a decade or so, this won't be a problem. I would say that we would, if 50-50 was the ideal, then yeah. we would have a huge problem. And that's a good, interesting time because this is the acid test if they're really into gender egality. Uh, egality. Are they going to worry about too few men among the professor uh, the professor corps? So uh, I'm, uh, I, will, I would like to fast forward 20 years and see what they're going to mean. I, hopefully they will worry. But I'm not sure. Uh, and, and the state finances uh, health care in Sweden, right? I, same in Norway. Yeah. Yeah? So uh, a lot of women get employment in health care. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if this was a, a true welfare society with gender equality in mind, they would look at it and say, well, most men who was employed by the state, they were employed in what? The military, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We've uh, done away with our military. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, basically, what it means is that women are getting subsidized in the workforce. And men, <laughs> yeah. and men, yeah. ha- and men ha- have to go into private enterprise. Now, some men, this will suit them perfectly. Yeah. But there will be a lot of men who aren't suited for this type of entrepreneurship or labor uh, in the free market. And uh, wouldn't you say it's unfair to them? Yeah, I guess I I don't have the numbers, but I guess there are obviously some men that are losers in this new uh, game in town. Yes. So uh, uh, and normally it's uh, or I've seen a lot of commentators saying that's a white working class men. They are the losers. Uh, and I get there's a feeling uh, among a lot of those men that something has something went terribly wrong. I saw that uh, I saw that documentary about uh, who murdered Kevin. Mm-hmm. You, I haven't you seen the documentary, but I know of the Kevin case, of course. And these two guys who were accused of killing, they were just like five or seven years old. They were accused of killing this uh, boy that was four years old. These two guys, they were, for me, typical of the Swedish working class male. They were living in Arvika, I think. Yep. And they were uh, doing some manual work and they were... Smart people, very um, bit introvert and uh, humble, and uh, they f- they were of course they were life their lives were destroyed because of this uh, falsely ac- accusation. But uh, still, they have this. I get this feeling sometimes that some of the male working class people in Scandinavia they go like they're not proud anymore <laughs> to be uh, what they are. So, but, but again, this is speculation. I haven't seen the numbers. There's probably some losers out there. There's, yeah. Well, so, uh, the Swedish Democrats, uh, according to statistics, um, most of their voters are white working class men. And now, yeah. now it's uh, grown 
way out of proportion. So now it's all kinds of people, of course, but that was their base. And and prosperity might have been more equally distributed. That's possible. And we might have gotten uh, greater prosperity. That's also possible because it's at the same time possible that these guys were getting a raw deal. Yeah, Yeah. I see. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. then it becomes dangerous after a while. Now, if we build a society where we disregard men, uh, both the immigrant kind and the ethnically Swedish kind, Mm. give it a few generations, and then you'll see (laughs) cars burning in the streets in Norway. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, uh, uh, our integration has been quite successful, actually. So, uh, because I think um, all the numbers we've been able to, to... uh, integrate and I really like the, that the, the concept of assimilation is coming back in fashion again. But okay, you're worried about the future. I'm uh, I'm not that worried, but uh, I, I see your point. And one, uh, what what would worry me if I lived in Sweden was that the unwillingness to talk about it because uh, uh, that's that really scares me. I don't know why, but uh, at if there's a problem going on and the tendency is to, you know, to sweep it under the carpet, it really scares me. So that's why I've always been a bit of, uh, uh, I've always been looking at Sweden with a bit of respect, but also, you know, anguish. Yes. Are you, are you, you're so clever. You're so, uh, dynamic, but suddenly you, you, you pretend that the reality is something else that it is. So I hope, but my basic belief is that uh, the Nordic model is very dynamic. It's very good at uh, changing and and it's very pragmatic. But uh, let's see. Yeah, it's we will see. Can, can I ask you a question about Norway? Yeah. Do you have uh, the word utfryst? In- yeah, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. All right. Have, have you, uh, have you uh, reflected anything uh, on that word? Yeah, it's. Uh, I know what you mean. That's. For some reason, let's say you work as a journalist or a comedian or whatever, you're not invited to things anymore, and nobody calls you, and you're not included in the, you're not in the in group anymore. Yeah, yes. it's uh, uh, I know about that. It's uh, again, it's uh, I don't see it as a big problem here because like the uh, co- people like you who are you know uh, conflict seeking maybe. Uh, extremely libertarian i don't know they are exciting voices you know they've been they they uh they are invited to debates let's have this fresh perspective now because the audience likes it the, the people like to to watch them that's my experience with nor you know i was in norway and uh we did a pilot for a debate show yeah 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 and, exactly. and, and i was blown away because i was like what do you need me for i mean you're you obviously have debate. You can debate narcotics. You can debate anything. But in Sweden, it's not like that. We just don't talk about th- certain things. Mm. And, and utfrist, uh, which for the English listeners, I should tell them, is uh, a synonym. Uh, it would mean uh, shunned, uh, pariah, ostracized in English. But if you literally translate the word to English, it means frozen out. Uh, which in old Scandinavia, just a few hundred years ago, meant you were locked out into the cold. So it was basically <laughs> a death sentence. Yeah. <laughs> Nowadays, uh, I can party with other people. We have electricity. So it's uh, not as big of a problem as it used to be. But I think the Swedes, Swedes they use this quite a lot. 
as soon as someone says something that is uh, not on par with the current ideology or goes against the grain in any way, shape or form, uh, you will be frozen out, basically. I know the, the Norwegian writer, Karlo Wittnauskård, uh, who lives in Sweden, he, uh, he's been writing about how he, he had an office in a writer's collective and they had a... Uh, lunchroom where they you know ate the lunch and discussed things and then he, one day he said something about israel that you know he had some sympathy with the <laughs> with the jews there and nobody said anything but uh next week two of them uh they didn't want to work there anymore yeah at, in the same place so he was so one thing is to disagree but this silent <laughs> way of treating conflict it's kind of scary for for us as used to you know you know talk a bit about you know you know thinking about what we say and uh, I have been a couple of meetings in Sweden where I, I have a lengthy uh, you know argument about something and then it's, it's all quiet afterwards and I realized I asked my friend uh, friend Fredrik Skavlan who's been working well in Sweden I said oh you can't say that oh no 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 it's, <laughs> it's so and this you know. is where political ideology really turns into religion I, and I think uh, that is uh, the goal of my project in Sweden for the coming year at least and that's yeah. that's uh, where I point what you would call my aggression. I see. Uh, yeah. I think my point of view is that we we are very uh, we're not rational. We're uh, as humans we are very our brains are quite small. We don't have the whole picture, so we need a lot of voices to together we can find the truth. So uh, I think it's dangerous when too many points of views are frozen out. So I agree. Yeah. Yeah. You should keep on struggling, Adam. Uh, oh, I will. I'm oh. having fun, Harald. Uh, but are you frozen out? You're not, you, you, you talked about that, that you're not invited to things. That you're, How is it like in social life? Are you avoided? Like when you meet, let's say, uh, those people you've been criticizing, are they, do they come up to you? Are they? Nope. Yeah. I mean, I, I try to get people on the podcast because I want to talk about these things. The reason I, I've uh, decided to uh, just not care what other people think and start talking for real, uh, speaking my mind, is that well, it, doesn't matter. it doesn't seem to matter. I can't have a dialogue of any shape uh, or form with anyone here. They, they, they're not going to be honest with me. Mm, mm? I see. So in that case, what's the point? Then I might as well just truck on by myself, right? Yeah. 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 And so I do. <laughs> but you have some followers, like you have some angry white men following you, don't you? Yes. Yes. But a lot of a lot of uh, followers I have are anonymous. I don't. I mean, oh, really? <laughs> I I have a lot of uh, views. My latest comedy special came out like a week ago. It al already has over a hundred ten thousand views. Uh, oh, really? Yes, not a line written. It's not shared on social media. People must be passing it around in hidden notes or something. <laughs> it's uh, quite amazing. But I wanted to uh, finish the interview with talking about your new project because I saw your uh, uh, lecture on TED. Yeah. You Where in the world is it easiest to get rich? Yes. Yeah. And you claim it's Scandinavia. Oh, yeah, according to the numbers I got from these consultant companies, tracking where rich people live. Yeah. So it's uh, that's a mystery, you know, with the old high taxes and strong unions and uh, all that. Welfare states making us, uh, like you said, uh, like spoiled children. How can it, we produce so much wealth? So uh, I'm interested. I'm, I'm, uh, I want to make a show about what kind of society is the best in the world. 
All right. And, and you so, believe uh, it's well, I personally I like Norway. I have nothing against Norway. <laughs> I think it was Scandinavia here treating them as a uh, one country basically. Yes, but uh, that isn't really fair, is it? Because Danes, I get a feeling at least that Danes sort of define themselves in opposition to Swedes and Swedes define them because Denmark is out of the Scandinavian countries I think the least PC, right? Yeah, they are, but you know, like uh Freud said uh, the the narcissism of small differences, we are quite equal but for us it's have you seen that uh, episode of larry david where he's at the golf course and this uh, this guy works at the golf course his name is sven and larry says oh sven uh, is uh, are you swedish and this guy turns totally sour and says no i'm not i'm not swedish i'm norwegian <laughs> oh sorry uh, what's the difference oh there's so many difference with Different dances, different food, different food, different names. <laughs> and for me, it was an eye opener because oh, we're so different, but we're not. We yeah. know when it comes to world value service, for instance, we're approximately at the same point in spot in the, the huge value map. So um, I'm interested in finding out that what, what way to organizing a society is the makes the best, the happiest people uh, and the most. Uh, Uh, you know, uh, living long levity and all that rich uh, wealth, uh, equality, gender equality. So, um, but then you, you'd have to take emotions into account as well, right? Absolutely, yeah. So, if so, people say they're happy, yeah. can you can you trust them? If it correlates with some other measurements on human well-being, yes. All right. Well, uh, in that case, Swedes must be happy as hell. Uh, <laughs> they are, but they I are. happen to think that there's more to life than materialism, okay. and, uh, and I also happen to think that Swedes say they're individualistic because they know it's a positive trait. Okay, so we'll scale from one to ten. How happy are you, Adam? I'm, um, I'm like six, maybe. Oh, that's not bad. Okay, yeah. like uh, you like Polish level. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would correspond to my genes. <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> okay, but I'll, I'll, uh, I hope you don't give up your uh, dream of making a documentary series about Sweden. It'll be really fun. And no, I, I won't. It, and and uh, I will just want to thank you for being on the constructive criticism. And I hope I get to talk to you again and uh, give you a report on what's going on in Sweden. Um, so thank you, Harald Eja. Thank you so much for uh, being on your show. It's a great honor. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find Harald's TED Talk as well as links to Jana Vask with English subs below this episode in the description. And if you go to Patreon, there is a more thorough description of the episode with links to everything. You're also free to make a contribution if you want to. I would really appreciate it since doing this podcast and stand-up has made it practically impossible for me to get a real job. It's true that my personal traits might also contribute to my lack of steady employment, but on the other hand, they also make me very good at my job. So please, send me some money so that I can crush socialism, one stupid social engineering program at a time. I also have PayPal. My address is aaron.flam at gmail.com. That's Aaron with one A, Flam with one M, at gmail.com. 
Or if you're Swedish you can swish me at 0768 943737 0768 943737 Anyway, until next time, have a good time unit. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.